The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. It's an honor to be here today with Crossroads Church uh, in, in a place with a captain and a friend and Man, just lots of other people as well that I see here. I'm like, man, you guys have a phenomenal church. Uh, the worship was incredible. You had prayer time, communion already. You have students in the front row, y'all. Come on. I'm telling you, not every church you're going to find students sitting in the front row praising Jesus. So you, you, have, you just keep it up, all right? You keep setting the tone around here. I love it. I love seeing that in a church. And so... Uh, as we, before we kind of jump into Scripture and, and what we're talking about today, significance through struggle, uh, I want to introduce to you my, my family. We have, uh, our whole family actually drove from Des Moines to Lincoln yesterday to be with you today. And so we have five kids, a family of seven, five kids. And listen, this is what life is like in my house right here, all right? That's my kids in their natural habitat, and if you would have told me back in 2009 when church planning was a dream on my heart that we would have five kids that take two seconds to destroy a room in my life, I would have thought you were crazy. I thought there is no way, but you know what? God works in unbelievable ways, and this is a real picture of my family right there. Uh, That's our five kids. That's my wife and better half, Kayla. She's over there this morning as well. Kayla, give him a little wave. Come on, that's, that's the barbecue sauce to my ribs right there. I'm telling you, from the very first time our eyes met, she couldn't get enough of this, brother. So, uh, no, that's, she's, she is the best. She's the best. Uh, I wouldn't be here without her. Our church planting story really goes back to 2009 when I'm a youth pastor. And I, I uh, have just big dreams in my heart. And I remember walking into my older brother, who was the associate pastor, one day, and I just said, hey, I just feel like God put this word on my heart, and um, it's the word grow. And through that one word, I, I didn't realize that year how deep it would sink into my heart. How many of you know sometimes God gives you a word and does something in your life, and you don't realize just how significant, how significant it's going to be at the time, right? So he gave me the word grow, but with it also came a mission to G-R-O-W, go reach our world. And that year, I'm telling you, God broke my heart for people far from God like never before. I remember this moment in the house of one of my mentors and just breaking down weeping for what felt like hours for just what would I do to reach more people for Christ? And that was the year that this Bible verse, 2 Timothy 2.10, became my core verse. It says, where Paul writes it, right? It's a little different when Paul says it versus when I say it. But Paul said, I will endure anything to bring salvation to those Christ has chosen. He said, whatever it takes, if i got to endure beatings and getting stoned and left for dead and shipwrecks and being chained and imprisoned, I will endure whatever I have to endure to see more lives changed through the hope of Jesus Christ. And I have held on tight to this word and tight to to that. And so uh, that year in 2009 was when I also began dreaming of planting a church. And I knew one day, you know, when we got that this would be our mission. Our mission would be to grow, to be a church that would do whatever it takes to go reach our world. So here we are, 13 years later now, and uh, so it's kind of been a crazy week for us, a crazy couple weeks, because our church, since 2009, in my heart, it was going to be called Grow Church. Like, our name is our mission, but uh, due to some craziness that's happened in the past couple weeks, which I'm going to share to you a little bit later, our mission is still the same, but our church name may 
not be. But we are going to plant a church called Not Grow Church. We're not sure what it's going to be called right now. Um, but it's going to be called church, right? We're, we're going to be a church. And one thing I love about even the song we sang, uh, the last song that we sang, it says, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't be able to st- stop it. It didn't say, when, when Jesus said that, he didn't say, I will build random action verb church <laughs> or a- adjective church. He did, there wasn't a name in front of church. He just said, I will build my church. And I think no matter what name it ends up being or we end up being or choosing, uh, we just are holding on to a dream and a promise, a dream to reach more people and a promise that Jesus said, I will build my church. Yeah, you will be successful. You will see this happen. And so, so that is where we're at. So uh, on all of our stuff, on all of our stuff leading up to this moment, we've had Grow Church as our church name. Um, but there's something better coming around the corner. And we're believing God for it. It's our church coming this September to a new community in Ankeny. It's one of the fastest growing communities in the nation. Uh, there's lots of new families, lots of married families, lots of young kids. And we just feel like God has called us to this community to make a difference. But we're a church whose heart beats to just seeing more lives changed by the power of Christ. And I love that you're a church that is the same way as well. It just I could hear it just in your pastors talking already this morning that this is a church that just does, wants to do whatever it takes to see more lives changed and more souls saved and the kingdom of God advanced like never before. And uh, I, I love that you're getting to partner with a church plant in another state. So I, I also, I played basketball with him. I also served as a pastor here in Nebraska for eight years as well. And we would see each other off and on at different events and get to catch up and connect. But um, I, I love that you're interlocking arms with somebody who's not where you're at yet. Because the truth is, when you partner with a church plant like us, it's not like there's a ton of direct return on that investment. You know what I mean? And and you guys have been phenomenal. You're one of our supporting churches, monthly supporting churches, and there's not very many right now. And so you guys are such a huge, huge blessing. Uh, But can I also tell you this? Don't discount the spiritual and kingdom investment you're making. Because there are going to be stories of single moms who find hope in Christ and commit their life to Jesus and their family is transformed. And you may never know these people, but you have a part to play in those stories. There are going to be stories of people whose addictions are broken off. And you may never know these people struggling with addiction, but you have a part to play in their story of finding freedom in Christ. Uh, There are going to be stories of dads whose priorities are all out of line. They're putting job first, and they come to Christ, and now God starts getting first in their their work and in their marriage and in all they do. You may never know those people, but you have a part to play in their stories. There are going to be stories of people surrendering to Jesus and getting baptized and going public in their faith, and you may never know them, but you have a part to play in their story because our stories of life change will be your stories of life change. And I love it. This is what the kingdom is all about about. And so Crossroads Church, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's just, just to, to see more lives changed, the kingdom advance. This is why we're going. Uh, in fact, I, I can illustrate it with a story from college. In fact, it's a story that involves Pastor Sean, one of my favorite stories of Pastor Sean in my life. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, Pastor Sean, he introduced me to this crazy thing in southern Missouri called caving where basically you just go and you find a random hole somewhere and you go through it and you search it out, right? And there's legitimate caves in southern Missouri. And I remember one time going with Pastor Sean and uh, Josh, 
Longenecker, another one of our teammates. These are the two biggest, strongest dudes on our team, and I'm the tiniest guy on our team, right? So I can fit in all these tight little things. I'm looking back like, man, what's taking you so long? Come on. It's not that bad. Just shimmy, you know? And uh, see Sean back there, just wait, you know? Um, and I remember one time uh, there was this tiny little hole kind of going down this way, and I'm like, hey, RJ, go check it out. I'm like, man, man, you check it out. I don't want to just go down in that hole. And so I... I'm the small one, right? So I go down, and I'm down there halfway, and I look, and I'm like, man, it's a dead end, and I can't get out. I'm stuck in this cave in the darkness, like we have our headlamps or whatever, and I'm just yelling back, guys, I'm stuck. I'm stuck, and I remember Josh, one guy, he grabbed my legs, and he starts pulling me. He's like, man, I can't get you, and Sean comes over there. Both, both these big, bad guys are pulling me out of this cave, and finally, I get unstuck, and I'm like, man, I am never doing that again. <laughs> That was the worst thing ever, and I'm just going to follow you guys. And so uh, Captain Sean took the lead, and I, I don't know if you'll remember this part, but uh, Captain Sean, he's taking the lead, and I remember we come around a cavern, and we're sitting behind uh, wondering if we should go down this cavern or not because it keeps going and going, and as we look up, it looks like the ceiling is just crawling. It almost looks like it's alive, and I'm like, what is that? And Sean's like, bats. I said, uh-oh, I don't like bats. <laughs> I said, no, we can go. There's a hole at the end. So there was this walkway. It was, it was maybe about 9 or 10 feet tall and not too wide, but there was a little hole at the end of it. He's like, hey, if we get through this, we can go in that hole, and we'll be good. But we'd been shining our lights on these bats so much that now they're starting to get agitated. And so we start walking that direction, and the moment we start walking, millions of bats starts dropping off the ceiling and flying above our heads. And there's so many of them, it feels like we can feel the wind. It feels windy in this cave all of a sudden. And we put our heads down and we just go, go, go. And Sean gets all the way up to this opening in this cave. And as he shines his light in this opening, a million more bats come flying right out of that hole straight into Sean. Now you would think with their sonar abilities, they would be able to dive and dodge and move around. That is not the case. I'm telling you, one of the funniest moments of my life was seeing Sean getting pelted with bats all over. Ah! He screams. Ah! I scream. And he turns around and says one word. Run! <laughs> and so we turned and we ran. And we ran so fast. In fact, my water shoes got stuck in the mud. And I had to go the rest of the way without any shoes. But the bats didn't get us, praise the Lord. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it was one of those moments that I will remember the rest of my life. And the truth is, you're like, man, how in the world does that relate? You know, I don't know. I just wanted to tell a fun story with Pastor Sean. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I kind of got somewhere to go with it. Uh, the truth is that we live in a world where people are stuck in a lot of dark places where people can't get out on their own, where people are looking for hope, they're looking for help, they're looking for a way out. And guess what? As Christ believers and Christ followers, we have the way out. We know the way. We know how to get unstuck. We know how to find hope and how to find help and how to get out of that dark place that we're living in. And our answer is not a place. Where we point them to is a person, and that person is Jesus. You are the church. You are the hope of the world. And this is what I believe to my core, and that's the whole reason why we're going. This is why our family has uprooted from friends and family and went to a, a place where we have no connections. We have no family members. 
We, have, we had no friends when we moved. We knew a, not a single person, but we felt like God called us to this city because back in 2009, when God put this uh, church plant on my heart, for some random reason, people ask me all the time, why Iowa? And I just say, I don't even know. But back in 2009, when I began dreaming about it, as I would pray for my communities uh, that, that I was ministering in, I would find myself praying for the city of Des Moines. So I prayed for 10 years for the city of Des Moines before setting foot in it for the very first time. And I just have enough faith to believe that God will build his church when we walk and walk through those doors and go there. And we believe there are people who are looking for hope and help and a way out of those dark places. So we're going to reach people that we've never even met yet. But maybe you're here today and maybe you feel like you're stuck. You've been going through a dark place that you're needing some hope, some help, some purpose in a situation. You felt discouraged you've been down, you've been complaining, you've been wondering if things are going to change, can I tell you that today is a message for you as well because, uh, man, Jesus is still in the life-changing business. I believe he's going to turn things around for you. I believe this problem that you're facing is going to set you up for a promotion that's coming because he's not done with you yet. But maybe you need some purpose. Maybe you're getting hit by fear. Maybe it's like, oh man, I feel like I was just about to escape and all of a sudden the bat of depression comes flying my way. <laughs> or the bat of my, my money's looking funny <laughs> and the stress is getting me depressed. Whatever it is, but it's getting you down. You're looking and maybe it's even something serious where at one point in time you stood across that person you loved and committed your life to one another. Now you find yourself on the other side of a table battling it out, wondering how life is going to be apart. Jesus is still in the hope-bringing business. Now, can I tell you, he's the hope of your situation, the hope for your future, and he's the hope of this world. And you, uh, as the church, get to be the ones that bring it to the world. And I love that. And uh, today, if you are facing something like that, I just want you to know Psalm, Psalms tells us that God is near to the brokenhearted. So if you feel alone, if you feel forgotten, you are not. God loves you. He sees you, and he's right there. He cares. He knows. Uh, and so today, what I want to do is I just want to take a quick look at Scripture as well to, uh, of, a, of another man in Scripture who was stuck in a dark place. And, and he was stuck in a dark place. In fact, it seems like problem after problem after problem gets thrown his way. And I want you to see uh, what takes him fr from um, struggle to significance. Because I believe whatever struggle you're facing, there's a significant season on the other side. So those setbacks are sometimes God setting you up. <laughs> For a comeback. And so this is the same with this story today. And so I, I want to I talk in kind of like a story form. I like just tearing, telling stories uh, of the Bible. And so I'm going to just recap this man's story uh, through telling a story of my own. So basically, Scripture today picks up in one of the lowest and saddest places you'll find in all the Bible. Uh, this young man, he has chains wrapped around his wrists and his ankles and they're cutting in and his blood is starting to ru run down his arms as scars I imagine begin to form around his wrist that'll be there for the rest of his life. He didn't do anything wrong. He's being accused with no opportunity to defend himself. In fact, any injustice you or I have ever faced falls way short of the injustice of this moment right here. And as this young man is sitting there alone, forgotten, imprisoned, his mind begins to go back and wonder 
and think about all that had led up to this moment right here. Like everything that led to this moment of him being chained up and alone in prison. He begins to look back at life at home. Life with his dad. And man, his dad loved him. In fact, he loved him more than any of his other family members. He loved him so much that his dad put this big colorful coat on his back. And said, man, son, I love you. And this, uh, as a young boy, this, he remembers looking back at his brothers and time with his brothers and how his brothers weren't very nice to him. And he shared his dreams with his brothers of how everyone was going to bow down and honor him one day. And they hated hearing about these dreams until finally one day when he shows up, those brothers rip that colorful coat off his back and throw him down into a pit. And he's looking up thinking, man, is this a joke? Come on, guys, it's real funny. Let me out when he realizes this is no joke. And they sell him into slavery to the house of a man named Potiphar in Egypt. So here's this man. He, he's been done nothing wrong, but he finds himself a servant in the house of Potiphar in Egypt. And he remembers that as a servant, he did all he could, the best he could. He, he worked hard. He went above and beyond. In fact, he quickly rose through the ranks to where he was in control of the entire household. And just about the time it felt like things were clicking again, just about the time he feels almost like significant again, it all comes crashing back down even worse than before. Not even because he did something wrong, but because he refused to do something wrong. One day when the master of his house grabbed him by his coat and said, come sleep with me, he slipped out of that coat. Now for the second time he loses his coat, right? For the second time his life is about to change. He slips out of that coat and runs away and says, I will not do this wicked thing. And as he runs away, as he runs from temptation, as he runs from sin, not towards it, he's running from it, this woman left with his coat screams. And as she screams, people come in and said, that Hebrew servant tried to take advantage of me. So here he is, grabbed, framed, thrown into prison. He had no chance, right? So he got thrown into prison, and here he is in prison, chained, alone, wondering where it all went wrong, wondering what life would have been like if none of this would have ever happened. I wonder if he looks back and just dreams like, man, if I just would have been nicer to my brothers, <laughs> if, I just wouldn't, if they just wouldn't have hated me so much, I imagine we could have spent Christmas together, which they didn't have Christmas back then, so maybe something else. <laughs> but, you know, I imagine holidays at my, my dad's house. I imagine running around with my brothers. I imagine having a flock of sheep to call my own. But as he dreams about all these things, this is all he can do is dream. Because after all, Joseph is known as the dreamer. So here he is, framed and in prison, and I wonder if, like you and me, he looked at his life in this moment and thought, man, how did I end up here? I, feel, I don't feel like I did anything to deserve this. How did it go so wrong? But here in prison, Joseph is about to find out he's not the only dreamer in the room. And also he's about to find out that his most significant days, his most successful days are right in front of him. He just doesn't realize it yet. So don't you love Scripture? Isn't Scripture good? Because you and I, as we read Scripture, as we read through stories, and we can relate, right? We can understand, wow, Joseph, man, problem after problem after problem. Life is tough for this guy, but we can relate because we've gone through some tough things as well. But Joseph is about to live a life of significance and lead an entire nation, which most of you already know this story as well. But um, significance came through struggle. Significant, I don't think he could have been as significant without some of the struggle that he went through. And so I wonder if some of the struggles we're facing today is God preparing us for something great on the other side. 
God is preparing Crossroads Church to see an influx of people coming to know Christ with lives being changed and souls being saved and more youth packing up the front row until it's all covered. You know, like God is on the move. So today I just want to share with you a few thoughts, a few quick thoughts on living a life of significance through struggle. First thing to remember is this, God is with you. In life's hardest moments, and you feel alone in the pit, you feel forgotten in the pit, God is with you. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures in all, all the Bible comes from Genesis chapter 39, and it's repeated two times, almost word for word. 39 verse 2, and also verse 21, I believe, or 23. Say almost word for word the exact same thing. And here's what I love about this. Here's what I love about this is uh, it says, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything that he did. But you know what makes this verse so awesome? Is it comes after his family betrayed him. He had just got thrown into the pit by his brothers. Next verse. But God was with Joseph, giving him success in all he did. He had just got imprisoned and framed and thrown into prison with no opportunity to defend himself. He was innocent. It's like this injustice just happened, but then the very next verse, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything that he did. I love this so much because when we feel forgotten, when we feel like this isn't fair, like I've been mistreated, I've been abused, uh, I'm being taken advantage of, God sees you. God is with you. He's not forgotten about you, but in fact, he, he may even be giving you an opportunity to flex a faith muscle you didn't know you had. And I love that it says this is the one point in Scripture. In fact, these are the two points in Scripture where it says Joseph was successful. He's going to go on to lead an entire nation, but here is where it says he's successful. He succeeded in all he did. And I wonder if it kind of redefines our definition of success. I wonder if success is less about prosperity and blessings and more about honoring God no matter what season you're in. Man, success can be I'm in the pit, I'm in the prison, but I'm going to do all I can, the best I can in a way to honor God. That's what success looks like. And man, I love that Joseph redefines it because that means no matter what season I'm in today, I could be at the lowest of the low. I don't have to be top of the ladder. I can be successful if I can honor God no matter what I'm doing and where I'm at. I love it. Keep honoring God. He is with you. He's not forgotten about you. Another thing, second thing to remember with, uh, from Joseph, if we want to live a life of significance through, through the struggle, stay resilient. Stay resilient. Uh, have you ever noticed that many times following God's plan doesn't make things easier, but sometimes seems to get harder? You ever notice that? Um, I believe many times it's because significance is on the other side of resistance, right? We use resistance training to build muscles, right? Sometimes uh, God uses some resistance to build our faith muscles. And I would like to say it this way. Many times it's not just on the other side of resistance, but resilience that significance comes. Stay resilient. Joseph, he couldn't catch a break, right? He had to be resilient, but uh, he worked hard to, to lead the, the Potiphar's house and become in charge of everything. And when he got thrown into prison, you know what he kept doing? Working hard, doing all he could, the best he could, until finally he led the entire prison as well. And the warden of the prison didn't have a single worry except what to eat about. The two guys that Joseph served, Potiphar and the warden, the Bible describes them as having no worries except what to eat. And let's be real, that's not a worry, right? Come on, if all I had to worry about tomorrow was, hey, uh, do I want famous Dave's or honest Abe's? Life is good. 
You know what I'm saying? I, that is a good worry to me. I, I, that, they're living the dream. But Joseph breathed life into their dreams. Joseph made others' dreams come to pass, and God is about to make his come to pass in just a little bit as well. Uh, as I shared earlier, that verse, 2 Timothy 2.10, I will endure anything to bring salvation to those Christ has chosen. Um, when Paul wrote this, he would endure anything. And when this became my life verse, it became easy to quote and easy to write. But when we, you begin living it out, I'm like, wow, I don't know if I like this verse anymore. <laughs> because can I tell you the truth about church planting? It's stinking hard. Man, I'm telling you, I would think, God, I'm going, open the doors that no man can open, close those doors. No man. Like, I'm thinking, God, I'm going to show up to this city I prayed for for 10 years. Uh, the clouds are going to part. A beam of life is, light is going to come down. Oh, take the city, right? I'm waiting for it. But I'm telling you, every time I showed up to that city for the two years kind of visiting it, it was not like that at all. It was a struggle. We got sick. We had to come home early. Well, my kids got sick one time. I had to come home early. Uh, another time we went to the city thinking we had just this godsend of a connection that someone set us up with their, their father and like they could support us in this significant way. And they kind of patted us on the back and walked us out and said, good luck. And I remember there was a time when we were just driving back and we looked at each other and uh, we, we just started laughing because otherwise we would start crying. And we said, listen, uh, 2 Timothy 2.10 is a good verse to quote, <laughs> but man, it hurts when we start trying to live this thing out. <laughs> Are we sure we want to do this? <laughs> this has not been easy, and I'm telling you, it's just been a crazy year leading up to this. Um, we had three broken arms in the past year, which we never had our kids broke, broke, breaking arms. Um, in the middle of it all, my wife uh, lost her wonderful mother to cancer, uh, fight to cancer, and uh, we were able to celebrate her life in it as well. But um, it was just these moments that were, where it's like, God, there's some resistance here. A couple weeks ago, I, I know we mentioned our, our name, right? A couple weeks ago, I got a call from a, a, a lawyers, which I didn't even know this was a thing in the church world. I've been in church my whole life saying that, that our church name was trademarked and we can no longer use that name. And uh, man, I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm trying to fight it. And the more I fight it, the, the worse it gets. And I'm like, man, God, what are you doing? I thought this was the dream you gave me. And you know what? The promise that we're holding on to is God said he will build his church. And again, he didn't say, I will build Grow Church. I will build Crossroads Church. I will build whatever church it is. He said, I will build my church. And what I've had to realize was this thing that I've held on to so tightly for about 10 years I've had to let go of. And over the past, honestly, just a few days, like I'm still kind of in the middle of this pain, right? Over even just the past few days, I've just let go and just said, you know what, God, you know. And Lord, I don't just want to preach this message, but I want to believe it. That, uh, Lord, that there's significance on the other side of the struggle. That there's something greater on the other side. Because, God, I want to take the limits off of you. Take the limits off of you. Want to, what you want to do with our church. Take the limits off of my dream off of whatever, and God, I just want you to have your way. I can't tell you, he's beginning to cause us to dream again, me and my wife. He's beginning to cause us to, to be okay with uh, the situation that's happened that we felt was unjust and unfair, and even though it fail, fails way in comparison to Joseph. <laughs> but along the way, it's just one of these points where God is beginning to build our faith muscles. Galatians 6, 9. 
Let's not grow weary in doing good, for at the right time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Keep going. Keep going. Stay resilient. Keep serving. Keep praying. Keep showing up. Keep opening up that Bible app and commenting on it like Pastor Sean said. Like, it's hard. These little disciplines and little things are hard. Keep going. Keep praying for that family member to come, come to know Christ. Keep showing up uh, at work and bringing your best. And I, I get it. I get it gets tiring serving in the kids' ministry when you feel like every kid uh, in diapers waits to go to the bathroom until they show up on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. I get it. I've been there. You keep going. Stay resilient. I'm telling you, significance is not just on the other side of resistance but resilience. God is going to bring you into a new season, into something that you never thought possible. Uh, He's going to take the limits off of your dreams and your expectations and take you to a season that you never thought possible. Stay resilient. Uh, There's one last story I just want to share of God building our faith muscles along this journey. And this story is, is way more significant to us than, uh, you know, the story of the past two weeks. Not a name, okay, a name is a name, but a church is, is still going to just accomplish the mission of seeing lives changed. But this goes back into 2016 when one of my daughters, Rain, was born. And she's our third born, and she was born, and uh, she just was like skin and bones. And we, we took her in, and my man, she won't put on weight, she won't hardly eat, what's going on? And they found out that there was multiple holes in her heart. Uh, in fact, to the point where they said if she doesn't get surgery, then she won't be alive next year at this time. And so I remember for the next 12 weeks, uh, feeding our daughter through a tube every three hours around the clock. Every three hours around the clock. It was exhausting. It was tiring. It was overwhelming. And I still remember the the moment driving to Omaha Children's Hospital from Hastings, which is where we lived, and with our daughter in the back. And the song, King of My Heart, came on. Uh, And it just says, God, you are good, good, oh, you're never going to let me down. And man, we heard that song, and we just, hands up in the middle of the car, we're weeping, we're bawling, we're crying out to God, like, God, we need you in this season, this is scary, this is hard, uh, and in that moment, we just felt like, like God showed up. You know, Scripture says that He inhabits the praises of His people. Sometimes when you're hurting, you're alone, you don't know what to do, sometimes just praising will get you through. We just felt in that moment like God showed up, and He just let us realize that, you know what, I got this. Things are going to be okay. And we came to peace that no matter what happened, God, you're in control. We love you and we will always honor you. So we get there. The doctor takes her back. Says, yeah, guys, remember, it'll be impossible for us to get all these holes. There's so many of them. She goes back into surgery. We're there praying, waiting for a few hours as she comes back. When she comes back, the doctor looks at us and says, you know what? Somehow... Looks like we were able to get every hole in her heart. There's no more leaking between some of these valves and places. He said, uh, listen, I don't know, but you know what? We got it. Somehow it, it happened. And listen, can I tell you, somehow has a name, and his name is Jesus. 
We know that somehow, we know that somewhat, his name is Jesus. And this was the moment, this was the resistance that built our faith muscle that we needed. And we said, God, if you could get us through this moment, then you can get us through uh, trying to go and plant a church, which seems like a scary step as well. But God, you were faithful then, you will be faithful yet again. So we'll keep moving forward to what you have for us. God, you are not done yet. The last and final thought that I want to leave with you as I close, what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. Joseph had a way of breathing life into the dreams of those around him, whether it was Potiphar, whether it was the warden, whether it was other prisoners that had dreams. Two other prisoners had dreams, and Joseph was the one to help them interpret what those dreams were. And what I love about it is a mission of go reach our world. Many times we hear that and we think, yes, I got to go to the... Guatemala, we got to go to Africa, we got to go, let's go reach the world. But many times going and reaching our world starts with the people around us. Sometimes it's not crossing the globe, but many, for many of us, it's crossing the street. Saying, you know what, what, what can, how can I serve my neighbor? How can I help my friend? How, how can I serve my family? If we want to make a difference, it starts with those in our circle. But you got to realize the truth of what you do for others God will make happen for you. And I love this with Joseph because if you remember, uh, Pharaoh, king of all Egypt, has a dream as well. And they're looking around like, man, who can interpret this dream? Oh, man, there's this dude down in prison in chains probably right now. But, man, this guy can interpret dreams. And we kind of know the story. In one day, he goes from prisoner to vice president of entire Egypt. He's wheeled around in a chariot as everybody bows down to honor him. And his dream as a young boy comes full circle to the moment of him as, as vice president of Egypt uh, as he's about to just save an entire nation from a huge famine. And I look at this story, and I'm amazed, and I'm in awe, and I think, wow, God, in spite of all these setbacks, he ends out up on top. And I felt in that moment like God corrected me and said, no, RJ, it's not in spite of those setbacks, because of them. See, the pit in the prison didn't keep him from his purpose. It prepared him for it. It was in the house as a servant, and it was in jail, leading, leading there that he would learn the, the organizational skills and competency and work ethic that he would need to one day rule and lead a nation. I'm telling you, God has a way to use our problems to bring a promotion. So whatever problem you're facing today, just take heart. Be encouraged. Consider it pure joy, the Bible says. In fact, just this past week, I looked at my wife and said, how could the Bible say consider it pure joy to face trials like we're facing? You know, like I'm, I'm still trying to live this out. But yet when we realize in Scripture, man, there's a promotion on the other side of the problem. There's significance through the struggle that we're facing. God's not left us. He's not forgotten about us. He's not given up on us. He's still there. He's still moving. He still cares. He's not done with you yet. Keep dreaming. Keep staying faithful. Keep showing up. And remember what you do for others, what you do for churches in Guatemala, what you do for churches in Iowa, for people that you're never going to meet, God will make happen for you. Will you stand to your feet with me? as we close out in prayer today. Jesus, we love you so much, Lord, and I thank you for Crossroads Church.
I thank you for their heart to reach people far from you, whether they're near or far uh, from Lincoln, God. And I thank you for the kingdom investment that they're making into a church plant that's going to be full of people they may never meet, but they're going to be full of people that, that they have a part to play in their life change story. God, I thank you that for decades to come, uh, heaven is going to be populated with lives that have been impacted by this church that far outlast any person even living in this church. And so, God, I just thank you that when we talk about your kingdom, God, that, that it's an eternal thing. And, Lord, we just thank you for people that are here today. Lord, if there's anybody that's struggling, anyone that's doubting, anyone that's down, depressed, discouraged, Lord, I pray, pray that today they would learn that, that there's significance on the other side of that struggle. Lord, there's a promotion through their pain, a promotion through what they're facing right now, God. And I, the problem that's before them fails in comparison to the limitless power of the God that's behind them. So, Lord, today we lean not on our own understanding, but we want to acknowledge you in everything that we put our hands to. And, Lord, thank you that you see us, you're with us, you care, and, Lord, you are not finished with us yet. And Lord, I thank you that you're breathing new dreams to, in our life. I thank you that you're taking the limits off our expectations, the limits off of our future, and propelling us to something greater than we ever thought possible. But God, I thank you that you're not done with Crossroads Church because what they make happen for others, Lord, you are going to advance in through this church, through their vision, through their dreams of reaching a city for Christ. And Lord, I pray blessings and favor upon every person in the room, every person watching online. And thank you, God, that you're not done yet. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.